Welcome to the Shutterbug Life Podcast. If photography is not just something you do, but who you are, this is the place for you. In this podcast, we talk about everything you need to be, do, or have to reach your true potential. Let's celebrate the creative photographer's lifestyle with your host, my dad, Linford Morton. Love that little ditty. Welcome to the Shutterbug Life Podcast. This is episode 034, number 34 in our ongoing podcast relationship. Thank you so much for starting your week with me. My name is Linford Morton, the host of the podcast. But of course, you can call me Lynn because all my friends do. And that makes you one of my friends. I am glad you are here with us again because I've got a great episode in store. Just a really fun interview on travel photography with a with an accomplished tra- accomplished travel photographer, Mike Rand- Randolph. And we talk about everything you need to know how to prepare, how to shoot, and then what to take. And it's uh, it, you'll find that I think it's if you're planning on going somewhere, or even if you have a staycation where you're going to shoot shoot at home. Mm-hmm. You'll find something useful and interesting here, I think. So that's today's feature. Before we get into that, however, I I just want to say a a quick thanks to a couple of the, a couple of you who took the time to leave reviews on, on iTunes. You know, at the end of every podcast episode, I I ask you to leave a review and I got a couple um, recently and I'm just really appreciative of people who take the time to do that. Um, Buckeye937 left one where she talked, especially about the episode when we talked about 50 different, um, I think that's the one, the, the, the red circles and other 51 other photo projects. And she said she is definitely hooked, or he, I guess, is definitely hooked on this podcast. Thank you so much, Buckeye. I'm I'm hooked on you guys as well. So I really appreciate you taking the time to write. And then Steve, my buddy Steve, left a really great um, review as well. And just really appreciative of of Steve for taking the time to um, write such heartfelt yet honest words about this po- about this podcast. If you are enjoying what we do here, I'm going to also ask you to do the same thing. Just you know, take a, take a moment and go to iTunes and just leave a few words about the podcast and honest review telling how much you love it. How's that for leading the witness? But, uh, but you know, the, these things are cues to, to uh, the, the bots at iTunes who serve us up when people ask for interesting podcasts. And if you think this is interesting, then certainly I would ask you to help to contribute to, sh- to sharing the word and then also share with a friend or two. If you know someone else who's also um, a photography enthusiast or someone who would enjoy what we do here, then I'd ask you to also share with them as well. Okay. All right. That's enough of my begging and groveling for the week. Let's get into our, um, our feature right after this. <laughs> So it seems that the last few times I've been doing my private coaching and even my workshops, 
it seems everyone attending is going somewhere fun and exotic. It's, it's, you know, it's really becoming an issue. So the last few I've had people who are going to Peru and to the Serengeti and doing, you know, fancy workshops overseas in African countries and, and, and every time, Oh, oh yeah, there was the guy who was going to Vietnam and also the, uh, a European trip to to Italy. And every time someone says they're going somewhere fun, I always offer to come along as a tag-along photo workshop. And everyone just laughs politely, but, you know, changes the subject. So I think to myself, fine, I'll offer the next best thing. So in this episode, I have an interview with a travel photographer who's going to tell you when you're planning that great trip overseas or even in the country or even in your own neighborhood, how you ought to go about doing that. His name is Mike Randolph, and he is a travel photographer and writer based out of Madrid, Spain. And, you know, Mike, I've... I found Mike also, I think Mike wrote to me, but I was looking at his blog, and he writes an awful lot. His blog is called Mike Randolph on Photography, and he writes a lot about travel stuff. So, you know, I'm going to link to his blog, of course, in the show notes, but it's a great resource for if you enjoy what he's doing here to continue uh, learning more about it. But he says he's been a freelance writer and for more than 20 years and is a photographer. He's from Toronto, Canada originally. His essays and feature articles have won eight Canadian National Magazine Awards. He's been nominated for 14 others. He has photo credits in magazines we all love, like National Geographic, National Geographic Traveler, um, Outside Magazine, Rodent Track, Sports Illustrated, Condé Nast, Traveler, Fortune, and Vogue. He's licensed his images to companies we all know and trust, American Express, Microsoft, Sony, Samsung, Sanyo, Citibank, PayPal, and many others. So the guy's accomplished. We can all agree on that now, right? But he does a lot of traveling, and I thought it'd be interesting to hear from him how he prepares for travel photography so that you might be able to glean a thing or two about how to prepare, what to shoot, what to take, and what to look for. All right, so on the other side, our interview with Mike Randolph. All right, I'm with Mike Randolph, who is a travel photographer in Madrid, Spain, and Mike's going to tell us all about travel photography. Mike, you there? I'm here. Awesome. I'm so glad that we got to chat. Um, if you, I'm going to just plug you up front because I've been going through your blog and you've got so much good stuff on, on travel <laughs> photography and, and sort of all the things that we want to do if, we, if so many of the people in the audience I know, they, they travel a lot, they take lots of vacations, and they want to come back with great pictures. So I'm hoping you can help with that. Well, I hope so, too. And uh, thank you. And thank you for having me on your show. All right. Wonderful. So let's start off. Um, you know, as I said, I, I, I hear from so many of our listeners who are on their way somewhere really exotic and they either want to prepare for it or want to make sure they get great pictures when they get there. 
And so if you could just sort of walk us through how you might prepare and shoot for a great travel photography experience, that would be great. Sure. Uh, I think that, you know, the word, the word, the key word in that is prepare because a lot of people don't. And, uh, you know, they, they, the camera sits in their bag and uh, they, they're, you know, they are photographers, but they, they go on a trip and they pay all this money and they take this time. And, um, but they haven't, uh, you know, the first time they, they pick up their camera in, you know, recently is, is when they're on the trip. And I think that's a big mistake. I think what you need to do is, uh, is practice because, uh, you know, in the weeks leading up to your trip, uh, you should be just out there and taking pictures, just getting it. Cause you get into a kind of rhythm and it's, that's a, it's really important. And, and, you know, there's some other things that go along with it and I'll, I'll touch on those in a, in a bit, but just actually composing and taking, seeing pictures and, 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 you know, thinking about them, uh, we all need to practice, you know, I mean, it's a big, it's a big deal. So you're saying before you even leave, you're shooting at home, wherever you are, just shooting more frequently than just as, as a way of get getting the muscles, if you will. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, into shape. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I mean, I generally shoot almost every day. I would, I would think, but I know that a lot of people don't. And they've got a big trip plan. Maybe it's an African safari or maybe it's a trip to Europe or, you know, whatever trip it is. And you've got to, uh, you know, get that into your system. And and and, and a- another thing that uh, sort of is related to that is knowing your your gear. Right. So so when you're practicing, are you just sort of is it is it a deliberate kind of practice when you are saying, let's say, Let's go use the safari as an example. I know I'll be in a safari, shooting a safari. Do, am I just going to the zoo to practice? Or, I mean, what do you mean by that? Or just anywhere? Well, I don't think it has to be, you know, if, you're, if, the, uh, if your trip involves, like, taking pictures of animals, I don't think you absolutely need to take pictures of animals. But, but uh, use the lens that you're going to use. Maybe it could be your kid's soccer game or, or whatever. Um, I used to practice taking, well, this was... Uh, you know, a while ago, <laughs> but this, I used to, t- I used to practice taking pictures of cars, uh, near the highway, but this was the, the purpose of that was uh, these were manual focus lenses. And so I was practicing manual focusing, uh-huh. but we don't necessarily, we don't have to do that now, but just the, the, um, you know, the idea of taking a good picture, you have to, um, get out there and look for compositions, look for scenes, uh, know what to know, what you're setting up. And just sort of, you know, you, you get into the groove. Mm-hmm. I think that's, uh, I think it makes a, a huge difference because if the first time you, you pick up your camera, like if you haven't picked it up in weeks or even longer and you're on your trip and, and, and so it's day one and you, you pull it out, you're just kind of unfamiliar with it and mm-hmm. just you're unfamiliar with looking through the viewfinder and seeing things and waiting for things. And, you know, you, these are things that you've got to practice, I think. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a good one. So the art of practicing, practicing more is about seeing and about learning, learning your, your gear. Yeah, and you, you, know, you get home and say, oh, that was a terrible picture, or this was a great picture. <laughs> right. They tend to be more of the terrible ones. <laughs> but uh, but you, know, that you can see what you did wrong, and you see, oh, I should have done this, or, oh, you know, or, or this one worked out. Why did it work out? 
Well, it worked out because I, I waited for, you know, I, I, I chose a great background and I waited for the right subject to, to, you know, to give it that extra dimension. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so it, it's about really creating the picture and, and practicing that, finding different angles and, and, uh, sort of learning the camera. All right. Yeah. So, and then, and then, so the, the, the related component is to that is knowing the gear. Yes, absolutely. Um, because, you know, today's cameras are so complicated. There's so many things that, uh, you know, it's just, if, if you, if you're not, every time, if you don't touch, if you don't, you know, know your camera and you haven't used it in, in, in a week or two weeks or even longer, then when you pick it up, it's like a stranger in your hand. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that is, you know, technology can help us, but it also can get in the way. And we want to, we want it to be invisible so that it just does what you want it to do. And when it's second nature to you, when you know, you know, where the exposure compensation is or, you know, how to change the ISO or all these different things, if you really know it, then it's just, it doesn't take you any time. It's just boom, boom, boom. And, uh, and, and also sometimes on vacation, maybe, maybe there's a feature of your camera that you hardly ever use, but you come across a situation where you think, oh, this would be a, a good time to use that. Mm-hmm. And you don't know how, you know, whether it's, uh, I, I don't know, I mean, stitching a panorama or whatever it might be. And it, it's just you're flipping through the menus and or doing, you know, trying to figure it out. And you might even miss the shot in the process. Mm-hmm. And so it's just getting in the way of uh, of your photography at that point. It's not helping you. It's hindering you. Mm-hmm. And so the, um, use your camera a lot and know the function. Know, obviously, the most important things inside out. So that uh, you know you're not you're not caught out in the field. The other thing I do is if I always take an electronic version of the uh, instruction manual. I just uh, I use Evernote and just download it to my Evernote. So like every electronic thing I've got has the <laughs> the you know the PDF uh, instruction mm-hmm. manual there in case something goes wrong or or whatever you have a problem or the, you know there can be and it why not I mean you've it doesn't uh, doesn't cost anything, and it's a great it's a great uh, aspect of uh, electronic technology that you can have a zillion uh, manuals in your pocket, essentially. Right, right. That's a good one, and uh, I have mine on an Evernote as well. But I hadn't thought of that as a preparation for travel. That's that's a good one. Yeah, I mean, you could be stuck in some situation where you're like, oh, geez, how do I do this? Or mm-hmm. you know, how if I could? And then, well, at least you've got uh, the manual with you. And, uh, so, I mean, I think that, you know, the problem with today's gear is that, I don't know if you're familiar with this term feature creep. Have you heard yep, of that? I've, I have. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's the idea that once a technology gets to a certain level of maturity, they've got to add all these like sort of bells and whistles to make it, uh, more attractive to you as a consumer. So right. your camera does all sorts of things that you don't actually need it to do. Right. And, uh, and so it gets super, the camera itself is like way more complicated than it has to be. And so people are just sort of overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if you don't use your camera regularly, you can be just totally overwhelmed by it. And, and it's, uh, you know, these things are complicated, uh, beasts. So it's not like the old days where, you know, there were essentially, uh, two or three different, uh, choices that you can make with, you know, dials and whatnot exposure uh, sorry um your aperture and shutter speed and iso i mean that was basically it that was it right so 
Now you can do all these things that uh, n- nobody really even uses or nobody actually cares about. But in the moment before you're buying it, you're like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, I want that thing. You know? And they're smart, and that's why they do it. So. Right. Okay. All right, so what else What else do you do when you're preparing to shoot? Because I have uh, to, tra- uh, to do some travel photography. What else do you do next? Well, um, one, of the, one of the things I do is research, especially when I – I mean, I'm sort of on the fence with this because if I go somewhere just as a tourist, just to, just to have fun, sometimes it's nice to discover the thing on your own. You, you turn, you're in some town that you've never been to, and you turn the corner and you go, "Wow, look mm-hmm. at that!" You know, I've never seen that before, and this is cool. It's like some castle on a hill, and like, wow, isn't that cool? But um, if you go there uh, as a uh, you know a photographer on assignment. You might not want to miss that castle, <laughs> right, and, right? And you might miss it. You might not turn that corner and see it, or you know whatever it may be. And so, um, when uh, if if you want to get the best coverage of the place you're going to, uh, research it. You know, I mean, there's uh, every it's at everyone's fingertips. Uh, I, I use what Google Images. Tools? Okay, go on. Yeah, Google Images is one. Uh, I go to some of the stock agencies like Alamy because Alamy has everything everything <laughs> there's like it's just it's insane i mean i'll just to digress one second i uh i went to a very small town in the mountains of uh malaga in the south of spain and there was uh this this old guy in a sort of a cool uh farmer's hat and he looked like a farmer and he was sort of sitting down on this bench and uh the town was in the background and uh, I, I took this picture and I was just curious if this town, you know, also appeared because it was like in the middle of nowhere. And I thought, is this on Alamy? Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, when I came home, I checked, and it's like not only is the town on Alamy, but that same the guy, same guy? <laughs> the same guy, is already on there. <laughs> like he just—that's his bench. That's where he hangs out. And uh, somebody else took that shot. You know, it just. But I mean, it's it, the point is, is that you can by looking at those places, you can often find. Uh, different angles, uh, you know, if it's, for instance, you know, if you wanted to take a, a panorama of, of the town, you might not realize that, uh, oh, there's, there's, a, there's a location from where I can get not only the town, but in the mountains in the background. And you just have to find it at that point. You know it exists because you've seen the photo. Right, right, right. So, um, so, so research is, is, is if you want to, you know, it's, it's fun to go somewhere and travel and just sort of experience and just let things, you know, happen. But it's also nice. It's also, you know, nice to be there and and realize that, well, you're not going to miss like the major sites because when you come home, if you hadn't researched it, you'd be like, oh, my God, that was, you know. Right, right. That was right around the corner. I would have loved to have gone there and that kind of stuff. So, you know, the Google and and uh, the different stock agencies, Google Images and uh, and even just general research to get the feel for the place and to understand a place and to think, you know, and, and if you understand it, you can start thinking, well, how can I bring more meaning to, uh, to my photos? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so, 
I guess it's good that you got the same shot everyone else got. And anyway, it's, it's confirmation <laughs> that at least you're seeing the right things. <laughs> I mean, there's good and bad there, right? Now it's the same shot as everyone else. That's the bad. Yeah, yeah. But, and that guy has no idea. He's a star. <laughs> exactly. You know? Exactly. Do you do any research on things like, I, I know you can get tools where you look at where the light will be and yeah. uh, maybe the elevation so that you know something's in your way. Um, like that, it, that looks like a good idea on Google Maps, but there's really a building that obstructs your view. I mean, how much, how deep do you go into your research? I don't go th that deep. I know of, of all of those apps and, you know, the sunset and sunrise times and all that kind of stuff, and they're neat. Um, but I don't, uh, I don't go into it that much. I like to get sort of, you know, a really good, solid understanding of the place I'm going to and, and what are the options. But, uh, I don't, uh, I don't geek out to that like extreme level. So, <laughs> so you but, don't care about light. Is that what you're saying? Mike? <laughs> yeah. Lights. Who cares? Good deal. I know, right? Deal. No, I mean, I'll tell you an interesting story about that, uh, that relates to that light is that, um, there's, uh, a famous, um, medieval archway that connects two buildings in Barcelona, Spain. Oh, and yeah. it's, it's it's beautiful and um, yeah, I just and and the two buildings that connects are super old and there are these like you know rock walls and stuff and stone construction that's beautiful and I went there but the light was awful mm. and it was sort of late afternoon and I knew that I was looking down this down at the the archway and uh, I was looking south and so I knew that well in the morning there's got to be a time where the the sun you know, is going to cross here and it's going to come right up this, uh, this street. And so, uh, I came back like super early the next morning and, uh, at around nine thirty or quarter to 10, sure enough, the sun was, you know, just had backlit this arch and had all these God mm -hmm. beams of light coming through the, the windows and it was fantastic. But the, uh, and you know, the, the day before when I took the, the not so great picture to put it in polite terms <laughs> in, in bad light. Uh, you know, I was alone the next morning, right around nine 30, there was like 15 other photographers. Right, there. <laughs> right, right. So they had done their research. So maybe that's, uh, oh. you know, I should have saved myself that day, but, but no, obviously those things are, are, are crucial and fundamental. So. It, it, it's funny you say that because I think there is a replica of that scene that you talked about in New York City somewhere. And I know because I saw a news piece about, you know, the light was supposed to be hitting this and it's supposed to be this really, um, you know, spectacular scene. And there were like a million photographers there with tripods all waiting and the sun never came because it was overcast <laughs> and, and, and rainy day. And was, so they're all just there for nothing. Right? And the news, the news anchors making fun of them, but it was interesting. Well, it, it reminds me of a, uh, something I read that, uh, the photographer Galen Rowell wrote about, uh, in his book, mountain light. And there's, um, a particular waterfall in Yosemite that at a certain time of year, the sun is just at the right angle to completely backlight it. Mm. And it, it's just red. It looks like, it just looks like a, you know, a waterfall of fire. It's just this incredible. And it, and it, it happens like maybe four or five days a year or something. So, um, you know, he, it's the whole story of, of, of him, uh, 
just trying to get it right. And yeah, some days you get uh, shut down yeah. by the weather, and that's yeah. how it goes. So what are the, what else what other, what else do you do for research? Well, um, anything? Not research. I, I think that you know, um, I, I, I like to sort of get a good solid background on the place and to know what the principal attractions are and uh, the possibilities for photos are, and then I like to go there and just walk and just, you know, uh, explore. But one of the other things that is important um, in terms of your preparation, I think, is uh, like having your system down. Mm -hmm. That is a big deal to me because, you know. What do you mean by that? Well, as photographers, we've got all these widgets and little gizmos and thingies. And, you know, it could be like, well, your lens adapter and you've got the extra batteries and, and uh, you know, an extra uh, tripod mount or, like you know. Flow? No, in terms of like where you keep this stuff on you, all the stuff that you're going to have with you when you shoot. Ah, uh, okay. You want to have it, you want to, you want everything to be in its place. Got and it. And you don't, you know, and so you don't really think of that when, before you go on, on uh, a trip and you're saying, well, I'll just take everything. But then you're looking for your polarizing filter. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, where the hell's that? And you like have to pull everything out of your bag, or if you were a vest, or or you know, a fanny pack, or whatever it is, <laughs> to find it. And it's, uh, you know, maybe you missed the shot as well. Like, I mean, and and it just becomes this giant disorganized mess. Right. And so, I, I I think the best thing is is like, okay, if I've got uh, um, this lens adapter, well, it goes in this pocket, or it's in this place, and it's in one place all the time. And so, you know, where are your, your memory cards? Okay, where they're here. They're always here. And you have a system even with the memory cards. Like mm-hmm. I have a little memory card wallet uh, type thing. And, and uh, I just use a simple system. If, if, if it's empty, then it's face up so I can read. Ah, uh, nice. And if I've, sh- if I've shot with it, I just turn it around. And it's just, you know, so now it's That's a good whatever. Idea. So, yeah, so I just know. It's all those little tiny things. Mm-hmm. I think add a lot of – you need to be efficient. Mm-hmm. And when you're carrying a lot of gear, it could just get out of control and, and it's just uh, – it's it's not helping you, you know, because you got to like spend time looking for things and you don't find them. And then – and even when you're – if you change lenses, uh, you know, you take a, a, a lens cap off, or, you know, and then you put it somewhere so that when you in, – in one specific place – Oh man! Now you hit my <laughs> that's my weakness. The lens caps. Oh, uh, they go everywhere. That's yeah, horrible. <laughs> yeah. Good lord. Um, okay, so it's more of an organizational system, and using that so that you can always find everything quickly and efficiently. Yeah, just decide where everything lives, and that's where it lives. Okay. And so, when you need it, you know where to look for it, and when you you know, you're using it, you're using it, and then you put it away, you put it away in the right spot. And it's just, it's simple. It's not like it takes, uh, you know, a lot of time to prepare that or do it. I just have to, I find that when I don't do it, because I've always had like new gear and new equipment and new things that don't mm-hmm. have a place yet. Mm-hmm. And if I don't do it, then if I go away for uh, five or six days, by the fifth day, I've got my system down. <laughs> right, but right. I've suffered for the first five days because it's like, oh, where did I put that? You know. Right, right. So got it. So w- when you're there and you're shooting, 
you you really oversimplify this by saying all I do is walk around. I mean, <laughs> let, let's dig into that just a little bit. What kinds of images are you looking for? Do you have sort of a um, what do you what are you doing uh, when you're now on location? Well, if I'm working on assignment, then uh, I'd like to have some kind of shot list. And that's something where I can write down, okay, if I need to, uh, let's say, you know, I don't know, go to Budapest and I, I need to cover Budapest. Well, uh, the river and the bridges are very important in Budapest. I need right. to have something of the rivers and uh, of the river and, and the bridges. And so, you know, you, you make a list. And so I always have uh, some kind of shot list. But And so once I start ticking those off, it's like, okay, I've got a great shot of their amazing food market. I've got a great shot of their, you know, UNESCO heritage, World Heritage City Hall, uh, you know, and you you go down that list and you start ticking things off. But I, I also, I want the unexpected image too, because those images are kind of, they, um, you know, they're stock images. They're like postcards or something. They, you can find them anywhere. You need them. Right. In case the, the the art director you know wants to use one and and plus if you're talking about a place I mean this is obviously in a, a more professional context than right. uh, but but still that's how we think of it yeah yeah and uh, you know if, if uh, you know if you go to New York for the first time it's like well you want a picture of the Brooklyn Bridge don't you I right, mean you right. Know? <laughs> so, <laughs> but, uh, and then, but then I like to, I do like to just walk around and, uh, and explore. And, and what I generally do is, uh, I start looking for great backgrounds and, uh, where everything is sort of placed the way I like it. And, uh, and then I wait for the subject and that might be a person. It might be, uh, you know, a horse drawn carriage. It, it could be a lot of things, mm-hmm. but, um, but then I just have to, so I, I end up, I, I scouting out a location where I think, okay, I'll just wait here and something's going to happen. And something normally does. And that's part of the process of, of just of walking around and looking for images. And, uh, it's like anything. I think, you know, the, uh, uh, it's that whole concept of making your own luck. You know, mm-hmm. you just, the, the more you're out there and the more you're doing it and the more you're looking for it, you know, the luckier you're going to get. So you talk about landmark, you talk about background. What about people? What's your approach to photographing people in a, in a new location? Well, um, I have two approaches. One is where the person is not really the main subject of the photo. And so uh, usually that would mean I'm working from a further distance. And uh, if they notice me or, you know, I mean, I try to be, I try to be sort of a fly on the wall. I try to, you know, go unnoticed and maybe take their picture because it's from a distance and, uh, you know, they're not going to notice anyway. And they're not that really that important to the photograph. Mm-hmm. And then the other approach is where if I want to take somebody's portrait, uh, I think it's very important to engage people and you don't just sort of, you know, walk up to, I've seen, I see it all the time. I see people just sort of, you know, going up and just start taking a picture of somebody that they don't know. I find it very rude. <laughs> I don't, I, you know, I, there's, uh, you know, obviously people on both camps in both camps, uh, on this issue, but, um, 
I, I have an interesting story about that. Actually, I, I there was uh, in uh, the south of Spain in Seville, there are little places that still sell uh, coal in the winter because it's you know the houses it doesn't get super cold in Seville, but mm-hmm. um, it gets cold enough, and the houses are not really prepared for the for any kind of cold. So if it gets down to even Oh, I talk in Celsius, so <laughs> um, like zero degrees Celsius, which I think is what? 32. Like, 32. Okay. That much I'll I know. <laughs> okay, I'll trust you on that. I don't know. So if it gets down to around that, you know, their, their houses, they don't have insulation. They don't have – a lot of them don't have like, you know, double-pane glass windows and all that kind of stuff. So the houses are cold. And so there's uh, – these there, there are these guys that still sell all these different varieties of coal and they uh, – it's not – I don't know. Maybe it's not even coal. But it's something like that, <laughs> Coke or mm-hmm. one of those weird things. And so they have these little pans that they burn it in and it heats their, it heats their homes. And so th- it was this really neat shop and he had all these different varieties that you could buy. I have no idea what the differences were. And, and it was a super picturesque uh, thing. And I went in there and I had my camera around my neck. And uh, I just uh, – I was too shy to start taking pictures right off the bat. And I ended up talking to him. And I explained to him that I'm a photographer and that I'm, I'm working on a story and I, I'd love to take a picture. And, and he said, sure. And then we got talking a little bit more and he said, uh, you know, I appreciated the fact that you came in and, and, and talked to me a little bit because other, I have all day long, it, since it's such a, a cool thing to take a picture of, all day long at this guy's store, there are people just like they come in the front door and take a picture and leave. And he says, like, I feel like an animal in a zoo. Oh, you know? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like and, – and so when people take – and so there's like sort of both sides. When there's a photographer, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you don't just – I it, in my book, you just don't go and do that because uh, this is another person and, uh, you know. I, I think the, the other benefit of that too is you get to learn a little bit about the culture you're photographing. So you, you might not know what you're photographing or or know – why it's important, and if you just stop and in, in, in talk with people, then you learn so much more about what you're taking pictures of. Absolutely, I, I think that. But you know, there's it's it's difficult because there could be a language barrier. Right. I happen well, to speak Spanish, that. but if you don't mm-hmm. speak Spanish and he doesn't speak your language, then well, you know, you can point to your camera and hope for the best and say, you know, he'll well, yeah, get that's it. Different, yeah. <laughs> but it's uh, I can, you know, you can if you interview. Maybe some of the, or if you would talk to some of the photographers who who tried that and got uh, got rebuked for their rudeness, you know, they'd be like, "Oh, these people are so rude." You know, I was just trying to take a picture, <laughs> right, right. But if you listen to his perspective, it's like, "Hey, man, you know, like yeah. just don't come in here like I'm right. I'm on show here, you know, and take my picture." So, you know, there's I understand both sides of the uh, of the problem. But do you, do you pay for pictures? Never. Okay. No. No, because I know some locations. If you if you do, they you know they they demand money in exchange for the photograph. Yeah, and as an I editorial mean, photographer, you probably have a, an ethical issue there. I don't think it's so much of an ethical issue, really. If it's a photo that you know, it's it's if it's a photo that I like and that I that I want, and I I, I don't necessarily have a a problem with that. But I just think that those those kinds of photos tend to be not that great. You know, mm-hmm. if it's some guy standing up in some sort of traditional garb or something. Right, right. And, you know, well, he's probably not that authentic and it's not really, you know, so I don't, the problem I have with it is it's it's generally not a great photo. Two staged, got it. Yeah. 
Okay. Okay, so we're looking for buildings and landmarks. We're looking for great backgrounds. We're finding interesting people. Anything else you look for when you're walking around in travel mode? Well, there there is that thing that uh, we mentioned before, that light thing. Oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> the light thing. Um, it's obviously it's, it's everything. Mm. And uh, if you're serious about getting a good shot of something, whether it's you know the uh, uh, the fishing port or or whatever it is, you know, cathedral or and then you then you should then you should think about coming back in the right light. And, uh, you know, sometimes I'll go back and back and back thinking, all right, you know, if it's just, if it's not quite right, you know, it's just, uh, the fact is there's, there's, if you really want your photos to stand out, there are so many out there mm-hmm. that, uh, you've got to be really good and you've got to put in the time. And that may, might mean going, you know, going back there a, a bunch of times at different times of the day and checking it out and, uh, and staking it out. Uh, but it'll be worth it in the end, generally speaking, because um, you know you'll get a, a far better shot if you if you get your subject in the in the right light. Um, you know, the, it, anything at, at midday, it's it's so hard to get mm-hmm. anything anything of anything decent of, of any kind of monument. You know? Right, right. So at midday, I, I I sort of focus my efforts in in other ways, whether it's taking pictures indoors or of people or um, or just scouting in general. Right. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Um, so let's talk gear. I mean, what are you traveling with? What are you shooting with when you, when you're working mostly? Uh, well, I used to, I started off years and years ago with Nikon and then I went to Canon and then about, uh, three or four years ago, I went to Sony mirrorless systems just just for the 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 savings and weight, essentially. Um, excuse me. I used to um, I used to carry around so much gear, and it was killing me. <laughs> you know, it was just like it's 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 obviously uh, physically difficult to carry around a lot of gear. But it's you know it's also um, it's a detriment in so many ways. It's it's thinking that oh my you know you're always watching your your backpack or whatever it is. And thinking like, oh, you know, is it going to be stolen? Where can I leave it? And so you you don't leave it anywhere and you take it with you always. Right. And I see this all the time, people taking pictures at tourist sites. And they've got a gigantic backpack on. And probably the lens that they want is in there. But they're just not going to They're just <laughs> not gonna go. It's just get, like, it is. It happens it. all yeah. the time. Yeah. yeah. And it's just that. too much trouble to get at it. So I really think that... Uh, you should simplify it and 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 take as few lenses as possible. And and I also it's a great exercise to even just take one lens. And I know that a lot of people won't do that. Maybe on a vacation, it's like okay, I'll give you a pass on that. Right, <laughs> but in right. general, uh, just even taking one or two lenses tops three. Okay, which uh, one or two are you talking about? Well, um, I don't know how useful this is going to be for the average photographer because I've I've uh, I've gone from zooms to primes to to zooms back to primes, like. <laughs> but right. so, I, but right now I I, uh, I shoot primes, and so I would take uh, uh, a, a twenty eight, a fifty, and a ninety, is to me the 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 a, a great lightweight a good range right package, 
And the next lens I would add after that would be a 200 or a 300. And the next lens I would add after that would be a super wide. And the next lens I would after that <laughs> would be a, a, a macro or something. Or maybe I would take extension tubes. But um, with uh, a 28, a 50, and a 90, and, and I mean, and, and, or just even, you know, uh, a zoom like a, the, the Canon 24 to 105, which is kind of heavy and, and, and big and whatever, but some, anything in that range. If, you know, what I, I've done in the past is I, I look at, I look at all my favorite photographs. When I, when I used to shoot Canon exclusively, I had quite a, a wide range of lenses. And, but when I looked at all of my favorite photographs, I realized they were all taken with my least favorite lens, which is that 24 to 105. <laughs> oh, really? Uh... And, but because that's, uh, that's just the, the range I seem to shoot in. And maybe other people use mostly telephotos or maybe they use mostly wide angles. But if you sort of look at all your photographs and think just on, you know, percentage wise, what is the lens? What's my winning lens here? Well, then focus on that, that, uh, that range, that, that focal range. So, um, so I, I think that, and, and, and when I'm take, when I take these primes, I mean, they're very, very small and compact and lightweight and, uh, that's a big, big deal for me. So that's, that's yeah. What, so I was going to, I was going to ask you what, why primes for you? Um, is it just because they are lightweight or is it something about the shooting experience or the creative creativity that you get from it? What, what is it? Well, I think there's a, there's a couple of things. I think that, you know, everyone wants to take a zoom because they think, oh, well, I'm covered, right? I mean, I'm not going to be, I'll, I'll never not have the focal length that I want. But really, if you have a 28 to 70, um, the difference between 28 and 35 is like, it's, it's just, it's not that big a deal. And when you've got right. a zoom, you just wind up just, most people just crank it wide open and then like, or at the other end. Mm-hmm. And they, or they have a 70 and 200. They use it at 70 and they use it at 200. And that's it. Um, there are times when you can sort of fine tune it and whatever, but all, you're paying for that weight that you're taking all that time as well by just having to lug it around. Um, I also think that when I'm walking around, uh, I, I usually shoot with, uh, a lens that's a, it's a 50 essentially. And, uh, when I, when I see something happening in the street, before I bring my camera to my eye, I already know more or less what's going to be framed. Right. Because right. I'm so familiar with that focal length. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a fantastic thing. And, you know, if I used to shoot sports, and uh, when you shoot sports, it's it's a different beast. Uh, you're not really sure what's going to happen. And so you really – I mean, I guess that could be said for life in general, but more so in sports, you, I think you need a zoom. But uh, for the kind of travel photography that I do, primes, uh, I, they just – I just – I enjoy them. I, I like them and, and I know what to expect. I know exactly – I can – even if I've got, let's say, my 50 on my camera and I, and I need the 20, if I, I already look at the scene, I think I need the 28. As I'm um, switching lenses, I might be backing up already, sort of framing it before I actually bring the camera to my eye again because I, I know what to expect. That, that's such a good point. You're, you're, you're already moving because you know what to expect. That's yeah. good stuff. So why mirrorless? Because just of the, because you're just traveling light 
and you're using primes and what what else are you taking in, in terms of accessories perhaps um well I'll answer your your first question first mirrorless just for weight that's it you yeah. know uh, just weight uh, the, all these cameras have plenty of resolution now uh in fact they have more resolution than most DSLRs do and so that's not a factor at all and I think that in the future, it won't be necessarily mirrorless or DSLR because uh, it's my opinion that uh, electronic viewfinders will be standard and will be the way to go in the future because they offer so many advantages mm-hmm. over optical viewfinders. Even if I love a good optical viewfinder, it's, 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 you know, there's an aesthetic enjoyment of looking through one and, and focusing a lens with one. But um, I think electric, electronic viewfinders, A, will get there, and B, in addition to that, offer a ton of really uh, really important advantages. Like what? Seeing the shot before you take it? The... Well, um, you know, since, since what you're seeing is what's actually coming off the sensor, right. uh, you have a good idea, even though the, even with sort of, you know, subpar EVFs, uh, you have a good idea of what it's going to look like. You know if it's underexposed before yeah. you press the shutter. You're I looking think at it in, in, live, in live view, essentially. Right. And then also, you know, there's so many other things like uh, to have the histogram in, 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 the, uh, in the viewfinder, to just in a tiny little corner there, you can see, oh, wow, okay, like my highlights are being like totally blown here. Um, focus I gotta, peaking, I think, is good too. Focus peaking is amazing. Um you know, there's, uh, yeah, there's all these advantages that it has. You're like a mm-hmm. fighter pilot, you know, with this like heads up display. <laughs> right, right. Of, of, of over, over the reality that you're looking at. So I think at, at one point it won't be mirrorless or not. It'll just, it, it'll all be electronic viewfinders. Uh, but, um, but uh, as of right now, there's, there's the, for me that one of the biggest things is, is weight. Weight, and in my particular case, I love old manual focus lenses. So <laughs> I have mm-hmm. uh, I have a variety of Nikon and Zeiss and Leica and all these different lenses, and I can use them all on on my mirrorless camera. So um, that's a that's also a, a big thing for me. Okay, good stuff. Good stuff. But I, I think there was a second part of your question, and oh, I can't but, remember but, what it is. Uh, now. Accessories beyond oh the, yeah beyond the camera and gear. I see. Well, go ahead. There's. I'm trying to think. Uh, I, I, I try to keep it nice and simple, but there is one thing I take. You know, with today's cameras, because they're all so amazing at high ISO, the need for a tripod, because there's low light, is rare. Now, if, if you want to take a picture of uh, a beautiful road and get the, the light streaks of cars, you know, going around the corner, or you, you want to uh, take a picture of a waterfall at a slow shutter speed so that you can get all that misty, you know, movement quality then you need a tripod. But otherwise, just in general low light, I think there's, there's, it's, it's very rare um, that you need a tripod. And it just weighs you down, and you're not going to pull it out and use it all the time. You're going to carry it all day and use it very, you know, very infrequently. infrequently. Right. But, so, uh, but that said, I, for those few instances uh, where you, you do need one, I just take a tabletop tripod. And um, they're tiny, uh, but my camera's tiny too, so you right. know it doesn't need to. <laughs> it doesn't need to be like super, super sturdy or anything. Mm-hmm. 
And my, meanwhile, it's, it, yeah, it's plenty sturdy enough. And, and you can, you can put it in a lot of places that you couldn't put a regular tripod. Right. Uh, you can press it to the side of a wall and just like, you know, use your hands, to like press the legs down mm. and, uh, and get a shot. You can put it on like a fence post, uh, your mailbox or, you know, whatever. And, and you can be creative. Uh, and so that's, that's, that would be my, my most favorite accessory, I would think. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I, I have one of the little gorilla pods that I sort of take around and I think right. same same thing. It's sort of helpful in a pinch when you can't pull out the reel, you know. Yeah, I mean there's there's obviously uh, a compromise that you're making right, because it's not as good as your awesome big huge tripod, but you also don't have to carry that thing around all day. <laughs> exactly, exactly. All right, good stuff. Okay. Uh in terms of travel, have we missed anything? Well, we've probably missed a whole bunch of things, <laughs> but uh, it's, uh, I'm not sure we can wrap it all up in, in, in one podcast. That's right. It's but, good for a first take, though. But yeah, no, I think that, that uh, uh, hopefully there's uh, enough there to get people thinking. I, I think that whole preparation is key. Mm-hmm. People, It just doesn't occur to people to go out and practice, and it's going to really pay huge dividends when you go on your trip. And you want to make the most out of your trip because it's your vacation or, you know, or whatever it is. But it's if you're excited about it and you're looking forward to it, you want to make the most out of it. So uh, uh, practicing and getting your system down and knowing your gear uh, are, uh, is, is going gonna, is gonna to take you a long way. So Good stuff. Yeah. Okay. Well, where do we find you? Well, I uh, have a blog at uh, RandolphImages.com. That's R-A-N-D-O-L-P-H-Images.com. So it's Randolph with P-H. And uh, I blog about travel photography and uh, anything photography-related. Uh, so that's that's one of my websites. I also, because I live in Spain, I've been taking a lot of pictures of, uh, of Spain in the past uh, uh, eight years. And so... I have a, another site called Spain by Mike Randolph dot com. Oh. Yeah, so that's those are the two places, and I'm on Twitter and I'm on Facebook. Uh, I used to be on LinkedIn, but I decided, you know what? I no, I'm out. I'm <laughs> out. I don't like LinkedIn anymore. I don't know why. I just. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what about it? what about Instagram? Do you care about that? Well, you know, I am on Instagram, but I I had I think I've like uploaded two images. Something about it. You're I that guy. It yeah, that's me. <laughs> Are you on Instagram? Do you do a lot of Instagram? I, I, I'm I'm on it. It's more sporadic, but I'm I'm deciding I'm going to make make a more concerted effort to share more there. So yeah. I'm, I'm planning on doing more. Sometimes I now, like now to. I'm out there, so I have to. <laughs> uh, some you know sometimes I like to crop my images square, and I do that just sort of all on my own when I'm not even sending them to Instagram. Right, but. But that be, be forced. I know that you you know some people just you know have borders down the sides or down the tops and whatever. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if even if that is my biggest thing against Instagram. I just uh, not that I have some sort of you know big thing against it, but it just it hasn't really ever sucked me in. I just uh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm thinking about looking for the the visual platform. So, of course, that's one. And what's well, a good? It's a great one. And, I mean, there's no question. Fl- there's the Flickr and all that other good stuff. But um, yeah, all right, very good. So we'll f- we'll find you there. And um, anything else you want to share before you take off? 
Um, I would say, you know, one of the main messages that I've uh, tried to get across in the, in the various posts on other websites I've done and, and on my own website is to not obsess too much about the gear. Mm-hmm. Because really, it's just a means to the it means you know to an end, and uh, it it can it can really get in the way uh, in terms of like worrying. Oh, oh, if only I had this lens, or if I only had this. It's like just get out there and do it, and get out there and take pictures, and get in the moment, and uh, and 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 capture images that express emotion that mm-hmm. affect people, mm-hmm. and don't worry if 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 it's not that sharp in the corners, or if like there's a tiny bit of like chromatic aberration that you have to fix. Like, all that stuff is the only people that worry about that stuff is us. Right. You know, other people are just, they're just consumers. They just, you know, nobody say, if you watch a good movie, that's like, it got a great story with great characters and, and nobody, well, maybe somebody is, but <laughs> most people are not worrying about the minutia of uh oh maybe the sound wasn't quite as good in this scene as it could have been it just it those things really don't matter right so that would be that would be my my one thing just get out there and and with whatever camera you've got there there are great photographers out there who uh only use their iPhones so uh the chances are you've got all the equipment you need just get out there and take pictures enjoy yourself and, there you uh, go yeah Perfect. Well, good stuff. That's a great message to end on. Thank you so much. This has been well, thank a, you so much. This has been a lot of fun, and you yeah. shared, shared a lot of good information. So, well, thank you. I'm appreciating that, and uh, of course, I'm going to be following your blog as well because I, I like the the one I saw the tabletop post you had there, and then there's oh, yeah. one with <laughs> you laying in your stomach when the running of the bulls goes by. Oh, which boy, is, yeah. Uh, I boy. won't do that again. Yes, <laughs> exactly. And I thought, ooh. Safety first. Okay. But anyway, lots of good stuff. Thanks, you, Mike. Thank you, Mike. Thank you so much, Lynn. Thank you so much to Mike for that interview. I hope it inspired you as much as it did for me. Um, I was having a good time even while I was doing the interview, as you could tell. And taking notes because there are a number of things there that I wanted to remember as well. So I hope that you found it useful. I'm going to link to a couple of posts from Mike's blog that actually inspired the interview. And you might get some more on the things we talked about there just by checking out his, his blog posts. And uh, of course, linking to his website as we do for all of our contributors. I'd, I'd, you know, I just urge you to go on there and check him out and show him a little love from the Shutterbug Life community. All right. All right. So that's it for this episode. I, I hope, again, that was helpful, helpful and interesting to you. This is episode 34. So if you're looking for this and you want to go directly to this episode, just use the bit.ly link, bit.ly forward slash Shutterbug Life 034. Now, I'm going to ask you, if you like what we do here, to subscribe. And subscribing on directly on the website is easy. Go to shutterbuglife.com forward slash subscribe. You can do it on, on iTunes and go directly to the iTunes page by going to itunes.shutterbuglife.com. And, of course, we're on Stitcher as well. If you, f- you just search for the Shutterbug Life podcast, you'll find us there as well. If you uh, want to connect with us during the week, in between episodes, go to the Facebook group 
um, fb.shutterbuglife.com. We share our pictures. We share, you know, things we're, we're, we're experiencing in our Shutterbug lives, and it's uh, a fun and engaging group. If you're in the Washington, D.C. area, you can shoot with a friendly group of photographers in our meetup group, Shutterbug Excursions. You go to meetup.com forward slash Shutterbug Excursions. And, of course, if you are in learning mode, you can always find me at Phototour DC, and that's where um, that's my base for teaching in Washington, D.C., and, of course, I also later in the year will be teaching in New Orleans as well. And I'm going to be adding some New York City um, uh, photo tours, I think. So j- just keep an eye on what we're doing there because there are always fun things going on. And, of course, remember I told you we're going to be doing a photo cruise coming up next year. So lots of stuff on the horizon. So glad that you're a part of this community. I'm so glad that you join me every week to to live the Shutterbug life. And, of course, if there's something that you're interested in hearing about, please don't be afraid to shoot me a quick email and say, I'd love to hear more about this topic or the next. And, of course, you can use the Ask Lynn page, shutterbuglife.com forward slash Ask Lynn for me to respond to specific photography question. All right. That's all I've got for you. Thank you so much for spending the podcast episode with me. Whatever you do this week, I hope you enjoy it and enjoy your Shutterbug life. Take care.